freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan. We're doing a series called American, talking about the can do spirit. That is part of our American DNA. Absolutely. So much of our lives have been completely turned upside down with this Rona, right? The Don't co- call it that. <laughs> the COVID-19. Yeah, is that fine. better? Anything, the coronavirus. Yeah. And we've been hearing constantly about what we can't do and where we can't go. But our guests during this series are experts who are going to talk to us from their area of expertise about all the ways that we still can learn and grow, train and connect and expand our freedoms in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about before. Well, our guest today is Sarah Joy Albrecht. She is the founder and president of Hold My Guns, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with the mission to connect responsible firearms owners with voluntary, private, offsite storage, and education through a national network of partnering gun shops and FFLs during times of mental health crises or personal need. Hold My Guns takes a non-legislative pro-rights approach to help prevent suicide, accidental shootings, and theft. Welcome to the show, Miss Sarah. Hello. Thank you for having me. Good morning, Cheryl and Dan. Morning. Good morning. Sarah, I, I just have to, to, to add to this. I mean, you're saying that, you know, people be responsible and, and take care of things on their own. Isn't that like treating people like adults? Is is, that's strange for government to do that, right? What? We can be treated like adults, Sarah? It's strange for the government to do it, but uh, it's not for us, you know? We, we want to have practiced self-governance, and to have the opportunity to do that is really important to me in, in my personal life and my professional life, so I'm excited to be offering Hold My Guns. Absolutely. So, you know, people get really nervous whenever we talk about mental health and gun ownership. And it's because we know from past experience and world history and every other thing you can think of that government legislation of any kind in this area is going to end up trampling on people's rights. But you have created an organization that offers real solutions when these issues uh, come up. And, but what it is with that emphasis on self-governance and on the preservation of rights. And you see no dichotomy, dichotomy, sorry, between freedom and compassion. Talk to us Mm -hmm. about 
uh, what Hold My Guns is and where the idea comes from. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like to say that, that there's no dichotomy between freedom and compassion. And those are words that we have on our logo um, for that purpose. And like you said, many people are concerned when, um, you know, they talk about mental health and they understand the, um, how a government approach to that can really trample on rights. And so when I started Hold My Guns, which I started because we lost an 18-year-old friend to suicide, um, and we've also lost a number of other friends to suicide, but this particular death was very hard, and it was with a firearm, and I'm a range safety officer, and so um, the young people in our church uh, and, and my own teenagers, I have five, came up to me and they said, Mrs. Albrecht, mom, we're really hurting here, and can you help us understand? We want to have, we understand it's important to have rights to own firearms and for people to have them. But, you know, what do we do when someone's really um, struggling um, with mental health? And so as I started to look into it, I realized that here in the state of Pennsylvania, it's illegal to give a firearm to a friend unless they have a license, that friend has a license to carry. But even if your friend has a license to carry, they might not have um, adequate storage in their home, or they might not be a friend who you can trust. Not all friends are people that you can say, I'm struggling with some suicidal ideations. I really need help. So I was thinking, what is something that we can do that protects rights, but is respectful of people's privacy, um, that is an appropriate place for people to store firearms? And I was thinking, well, what better place than a gun shop? Because they already have those capabilities, they already have the storage, um, and they care about their customers, they care about rights. And so I, as I looked into it, I, I said, you know what, this could be a very viable solution and it's very scalable and it also, does a, a beautiful job of giving an opportunity for gun shops and gun shop owners to shine and to really make a difference in their customers' lives, which is so counter to what the media would like to, you know, how they'd like to present the firearms community and gun shop owners. So this is a pathway for them to say, you know, we care about rights, we care about people, um, and there's, there's no uh, dichotomy there. There's no, um, we, we don't have to butt heads. We can come up with a solution that practices self-governance. So I took the, my idea to Joshua Prince, who's an attorney here in Pennsylvania who specializes in firearms law. And uh, he ran it by his contacts at the ATF. And he said, this is what um, Hold My Guns would like to do. How do you want us to go about this? And so they came up with using the consignment protocol, um, which allows the firearm to be checked into the books and then checked out with a background check. Um, and so that's the pathway that we're using, but um, it's, it's taken off. It's gotten wonderful reception from um, gun shop owners. They really are seeing that vision. And uh, it's also a great um, opportunity again for the, for communities to get involved. So I'm excited about it. And um, right now we're in the phase where we've sent out contracts to everyone and they are in uh, an attorney review, reviewing them with their attorneys. So not we do own a gun shop, AZ Firearms. And, um, you know, the idea of having storage is something that we've talked about um, in the past, not even pertaining necessarily to mental illness. There's lots of people, uh, lots of reasons that people might yes. want to store guns. We have um, a lot of, we're near Luke Air Force Base here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a, a scenario where, you know, maybe somebody is being deployed for a yes. long time or 
you know, there's a, you know, they, they might be traveling in from one state or out to another state. There's all kinds of reasons. We're very close to California. You know, sometimes people want to come over and, and experience freedom, right? And so uh, they can, you know, come over here, use our shooting ranges, go hunting over here, but then maybe can't take those particular guns back across uh, the country. I almost said Canadian. That's a whole other story right there. That's a whole the other thing. Right, yes. the California border. So basically you, you have people that, that are troubled and they need to get a firearm out of the house. They, have, they go to a gun shop and they can sign the gun uh, with a permission. You know, they're going to get it back when things get better. Yes, and that's, that is something that they can work out privately between um, their, themselves, their family members, their medical and mental health team. Um, it's not our job to peer into the lives of individuals. And for all we know, they might be storing the firearm, like you said, for other reasons. And it's not the job of the person behind the counter to figure out if this individual is having a mental health concern or perhaps they are simply you know, showing their home and they don't want firearms in the home. Maybe grandkids are over and they feel like they don't have enough safe storage because their house isn't kid-proof right. for toddlers or something like that. And so although suicide prevention was the impetus for starting Hold My Guns, it was the story behind it, um, I, I think that this is something that can be used for a number of reasons um, to also prevent things like accidental shooting and theft. So sure. it's not limited to mental health concerns, although sure. that's what, so you know, what started it. Yeah, and some some store uh, storage units you can't store guns in them. Like all exactly. the ones in Arizona, that you cannot put a firearm in a storage unit. So uh, it's great, and so it's a no kind of a no questions asked. They can sign their gun and with the right to get it back whenever things. Yeah, so but, yeah, it's just a safekeeping. Yeah, awesome. yeah, absolutely. But you have a, a great familiarity with how that process works, and so I'll, I'm excited that you know you can appreciate that it's not just, you know, sticking a gun in a drawer and walking away, but there's, there's a process in place and we've had to come up with that. And um, so it helps to reduce liability to gun shops and to gun owners and everyone involved when that, when a process is followed. And that's why it was really important for us to make sure we were doing it correctly. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you're, you're planning to provide educational opportunities also through partnering mm -hmm. with FFLs to address some of the underlying contributing issues with suicide. So I'm sure there are many, we are a nationwide, we're actually a worldwide show, but um, for, for topics like this, we are a nationwide show. There, there are many gun store owners listening all over the nation. How, how can they get involved in this? Is this something, do, would they, uh, charge people for the storage or is that an individual FFL's decision? Um, what are some of those pieces of the program? That's a great question. So it's very important to me to not micromanage how gun shops run their shops. Um, I really want to promote that autonomy as long as they're, they're following um, all federal, state, and local laws while they're utilizing our service you guys are free to run your shop however you choose. Um, it's very important to me that, um, that they set a price point um, that is comfortable for their shop. Some of our gun shop partners are saying, we are not planning on charging the service. Understanding people can use it for a number of reasons, but you know, we want to offer this just on the, the off chance that this person truly is struggling with a mental health concern. Some of our other partners are saying, 
maybe we'll charge 20 a month, maybe we'll charge 30 a month, depending on which area of the country they're in and competitive prices. So our encouragement um, when they're sending in their contracts with those price points for us to review is to try to keep it affordable. And if you ever run into a situation where someone truly is in a crisis and you're aware of it, let us know if we can help, um, those kinds of things. So we, we really wanted to allow gun shops to make decisions like that. And we're very available to help answer questions and think through things. This is a brand new venture. So um, we know that there will be opportunities to think about things in new ways. We're still in this early launch phase, um, getting ready to roll out. So um, I anticipate there being things that come up and our heart is just humility and serving the community and trying to get the best answers. So I'm anticipating, you know, running into things like that, but I'm really looking forward to solving them. Um, regarding education, as I was thinking through, you know, people have this misnomer that someone might be just sitting in their room depressed all the time, which does happen, um, and that that scenario might lead to wanting to take your own life. But I've also been in a number of situations in my own life that I've observed where people um, maybe have lost their job and they realize I can't provide for my family anymore. I failed everybody. Um, it, what am I going to do? And I'm just, it'd be better for them to get my insurance money type thing. You know, like it's the human mind can be really fragile. And so another scenario might be maybe someone's spouse left and they're heartbroken or their spouse passed away and they're like, I have nothing left to live for. Mm -hmm. um, I've been married for over 20 years. I love my husband very much and I'm not, I, I'm not looking forward to, you know, to any kind of grief, but the reality is we are human and we have to face things like that and difficulties. So in understanding that we face difficulties, and I started to look at what are some of the underlying reasons why people might be um, considering taking their own life. I was thinking, why not help to educate and to offer support utilizing classrooms in gun shops, meeting a high-risk demographic, which is often men ages 40 to 65, for suicide risk with firearm. And instead of, you know, a lot of times in gun shops uh, and on the range, again, I, you know, I, I um, I'm a range safety officer, so that's my life, you know. Um, you know, we talk about things like um, gunshot wound care and, and training with firearms and things like that, but we also, there's a mental component to it and making sure that you are in a great frame of mind while you're out there on the range um, at, or while you're caring every day. And so it really makes sense to think through some of those concerns that people have through offering educational programs on those topics. So I'm looking forward to bringing in speakers who are veterans who are, or who are active in, in their service and say, you know what, the last deployment, it was really hard for me to acclimate, and, but here are some things that helped, here are some resources. And then when gun shop customers see a flyer for that, then they might say, you know what, I'm really struggling too. I'm gonna go hear this guy speak. There's no stigma with that. There's no stigma with telling your friends, I'm, I'm going to go hear this fellow Marine because if he could make it through, you know, after being wounded and getting back to family life, then I, I want to hear what he has to say. Um, or having a job fair, working with communities to say, you know, what are some of the resources that we have and having a resource day, which involves communities, you know, bringing them into the gun shop and saying, let's, how can we all work together? So basically, um, looking for a pathway for gun shops to really be heroes. The other thing that we're 
looking forward to is working with communities and, and looking at those resources. And for example, um, local food banks, you know, having volunteers, customers in the gun shops, um, and then having gun shop man or gun firearms manufacturers from the industry and other industries as well, working together to provide grants through Hold My Guns to give to local gun shops to say, we're going to go work on this uh, stocking the food bank or, or upgrading this playground. We have a grant from whichever um, manufacturer, and we're really excited to be offering that through your gun shop. And so what it does is it creates alliances in the community and really sets which, you know, what I know and love about the gun community is that we all look out for each other and we actually care about our country. We care about our local communities and we're looking for opportunities to serve. And so bringing all of that together through that educational and then community component is very important because what that also does is it creates a shoulder to shoulder support system. So if someone really is struggling, then they are right there with their friends who they see on the range and they're creating relationships where they can say, you know what, my wife and I are having a hard time today. Have you ever been through this? Next time we go shooting, maybe, you know, she won't be there. Maybe we can talk about things on the range or whatever, you know? And so creating those organic situations where people can talk freely, they have friends, they have done community service projects together, the gun shops rewarding them for it. Hey, if you go to this community service project we're putting on, you can get 20% off of, you know, range time or whatever, you know, so, um, or merchandise or whatnot. So I'm, I'm excited about that component as well, that it's education, community, shoulder to shoulder support, creating relationships. And I really think that those will help to, un to address some underlying issues that, that can lead to, um, to depression and, and other things as well, or, you know, helping people find a job. It's again, it's not just simply someone sitting in their bedroom worrying about things. It's often a myriad of issues coming together. So I'm excited to provide that pathway. For sure. I mean, that I love all of the, the layers that you, you've put in there to, to help bring people together. Um, because really that is uh, the firearms community, right? Mm -hmm. That is part of our, our culture is, you know, to look out for each other. You know, so yes. many of us, the reason that we even own firearms is for the protection of life. And you so this is just an extension, a natural extension of that. And I, I'm fond of saying, you know, that we should let the media and the people that don't quite understand our way of thinking about, you know, firearms ownership, let them catch us doing good. Yes. And so much of what you just talked about is that, um, you know, they've already experienced us helping our communities and those around us. So it's harder for them to automatically uh, cast aspersion on, aspersions on us or vilify mm -hmm. us or, you know, it, we're kind of like that. Well, I, I have a gun friend, you know, I have that one gun friend, you know, that, uh, you know, they, it's harder for them to just lump us all together as, you know, some, something bad. Yeah. But I, I think that one layer, you know, just one layer could save somebody's life of all the layers that you're talking about. And, you know, people need to realize that gun shops aren't like they were years ago where, Hey, how many guns can I sell today? Mm. Most of the gun shops out today are, are, are really caring. They care about mm -hmm. the community. They donate to their communities. They help, they have classes, they do whatever they can. And so we need to look into that and realize that the community is different. 
they are caring. They are. I love that you're saying that, Dan. And I know it's how you run your business. And, you know, we have to think about this from, you know, from a joyful heart and to say, liberty is beautiful. What does a liberty-based lifestyle look like? That includes being responsible with your firearm, knowing how to, to use it and being proficient, but also having, you know, a vibrant community where we're actually looking out for one another. And that's really where we're coming from. And it's, it's easy to feel intimidated when we look at, you know, what the media is saying and um, to just kind of be like, oh, I would rather just hide than deal with that. But how much more fun and, and wonderful is it mm. instead to just say, you know, I'm sorry, but we're working here at the community park. Maybe you can join us <laughs> and let us know what you think after that. And maybe that would be another winsome way to, to bring people into gun shops as well. When they, when they see exactly what you're saying, Dan, that, um, that, that this liberty is a beautiful thing. And that's right. really the ultimate thing is to be a catalyst for change that people would understand what liberty looks like. Right. You know, responsibility, showing responsibility is addicting. When you show it to somebody, then they want to show it to somebody because it's something new that they learn. Yes. So. It's contagious. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about caring for others mm -hmm. and your previous career was as a childbirth educator. How did that career impact this journey to cause you to be the founder of something like Hold My Guns? Wow. Yes. A childbirth educator and doula. Um, so I've, sp I've spent over a decade helping families welcome new life into their families. You know, part of my talks in doing that is, you know, how are you getting your home ready? And, um, do you have any firearms in your home and asking in a, you know, in a way that they know that I'm a gun owner myself and, and the things that I do. And so, you know, it's a, it's a different thing than if someone's trying to interrogate, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yes, but um, to sure. have an opportunity to talk about responsibility with bringing a new baby into the home and then saying, okay, well, tell me about this or that. Uh, but one thing in particular that really prepared me for hold my guns. And I love how, um, you know, these things kind of percolate and how God brings opportunities to think about things in a way that prepare you for later in life. And um, I took a, a specialized course um, called When Survivors Give Birth um, by uh, the, the founder of um, Duels of North America, Penny Simpkin. And it really just changed my life because she addressed how um, we need to be coming alongside of survivors of sexual abuse. And so after I took that training and I really started to think about how do I apply this in my um, childbirth education and doula practice, I realized, you know, it's a lot of having respect for people, but it's also understanding that many women have things that they are working through in their lives. And so do men and bringing a baby into the home can sometimes serve as a trigger for wow, I'm now parenting my child and I never really resolve things with my parents and I'm really having a hard time. Um, factors like that can contribute to postpartum depression. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, one day everything seems fine. Um, you know, a woman might have everything together, but all of a sudden you throw things in there like days of not sleeping very well and having issues with a colicky baby, um, thinking about things that she's gone through in the past and not sure how am I going to be a mom, you know, everything was fine one day, the next day she wakes up and it's not the case. And so uh, there was a particular incident where um, I got a call from a client who said, Sarah, I'm looking at that handgun in my drawer and mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And I just felt like I needed to call you. Mm -hmm. So I went over, we unloaded the firearm, put it in a safe place. 
brought her dinner, helped her take care of her younger children. She had a, a couple toddlers and, and I just said, you know, you go take a shower. I brought some food over. Let's talk through this. And so <laughs> goosebumps just telling that story, but <laughs> um, it is, it just really prepared me because I realized that people can go through things like a big life event, like having a baby and it does affect us in a way that could become an issue. And so how do we help people who are, they seem fine one day and then the next day things have changed and they're still fine. They just need to work through. Mm -hmm. And so how can we give them space to work through things in a way that uh, it empowers them? And so to be able to store a firearm offsite and just remove that, that threat voluntarily, it's very empowering. And something that I'm excited about is that as I talk to medical and mental health professionals, um, OBGYNs, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, people from Veterans Affairs, they're saying, this will change the way that we can talk to our patients. Because instead of worrying about firearms, we can say, for our at-risk patients, we can say, hey, there's a hold my gun shop locally. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if you have any firearms in your home, this might be something that you should and could consider, you know, and we have a good relationship with them. And so what that does is it, it promotes self-determination in their patients. And when you, Dan, you're talking about responsibility earlier and how, it, how empowering it is. When you can give someone the opportunity to voluntarily take care of their concerns and manage them in their home, they have self-determination and empowerment and they want to get the help. They sure. don't feel like they're being forced, having their rights stripped away, having their dignity stripped away, but instead they can feel good about it. I knew I was struggling. You know, I, I had to call my, my dual and childbirth educator to help me. And I, I right. know that right now it's not a wise idea for me to have access to this firearm. The other important thing that I learned from that experience is that a spouse has access to firearms. So a lot of times, you know, we might say, well, I have a really great safe at home, but if it's your spouse who's struggling, they have the code to the safe or they have the keys. So it's a situation where you have to consider that even if you have good storage in your home that normally would be okay, if someone's going through a crisis, that could change. And so that's one of the reasons why offsite storage might be a, a wise option for people. Right. No, I agree with that. Hey, on a lighter note, uh, yeah. so you, were, you were a childbirth educator. Mm -hmm. And when we had our baby back in the day, <laughs> Many Cheryl, days told ago. Me, Cheryl told <laughs> me that they come with a user guide. And she would say, page one, you need to do this, you need to do that. Did it, did it come with the user guide or not? No, no. So you I were, don't. <laughs> You, no, and that, you're that, supposed to, but I don't know what happens there in shipment, you know? No, for sure. Our, well, and if they, they did, then our user guide got lost. Right, and but... they, you know, simple <laughs> things like phones don't have user guides because they're simple, but the baby's not simple. No, they're so not. And, uh, you know, I it is a stressful, it's an amazing time, but it's a stressful oh. time when you have a, a little one come yeah. into the home because they have zero patience, right? right. <laughs> And no rest. And so, you know, I, I just one other comment I'd like to make is that, you know, when somebody is having a problem at home, they can't always go to their spouse or to their family to get help. So as a friend, be there for them. You know, yes. Just be there for them. Yeah. It could be a gun shop. It could just be somebody, a new friend, the gun shop. 
Absolutely. And, you know, this time, this particular season that we find ourselves in, you know, the season of can't, right? The season of restrictions. You know, you've been developing this program for a couple of years now, Hold My Guns. But isn't it interesting, and, and you mentioned God and uh, God's timing in our lives, um, you know, isn't it interesting how perfect the timing is that you are launching you, this organization, like as we speak, it is happening right now in real time, right? Yes, it, it's, it is pretty incredible. Um, it took us, so we started, this idea came um, to me in, in the end of uh, 2018. And like I said, we really wanted to make sure that we were doing things correctly. So it took, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, in the beginning of 2019, there was a big government shutdown, which meant that the ATF was shut down for a while too, for inquiries about things like this. And so um, it was like over Christmas and then into spring. And so even though we had got the ball rolling at the end of 2018, it wasn't until April of 2019 that we actually were able to, to start picking up and working on it. So um, I'm sometimes you get frustrated with things like that, um, but God's timing really is amazing. And so when I announced at SHOT Show that we'd be launching in May of 2020, um, when I was at SHOT Show this year, I, we had no idea that we were about to get hit with this pandemic, but it just seems to be more relevant now more than ever. Um, it's, it's very sad because a number of um, communities are reporting that their suicide rates are going up and they're not, you know, how do we deal with this? Um, we had President Trump say gun shops are essential, and so it which they are, you know, and and so it's a, an amazing thing, you know, as gun shops are working out what that looks like for how they want to continue operations, and and depending on communities, you know, that might be a, a phone call, it might be, you know, staggering how many people can come in. I'm really proud of our community how they're rising to this occasion, um, but launching Hold My Guns at the time of of COVID nineteen means that we would be able to provide, which is a value add for gun shops, to provide this service to help to um, reduce suicide numbers. But you're also looking at things like grandparents might be um, housing displaced um, children because they're, um, you know, they're, the children's parents are working as an essential worker on the front lines and the, they are concerned about their young children being exposed to the virus. Um, or maybe someone's being deployed to help a community to bring supplies in. So these are all scenarios where Hold My Guns can really come alongside and support communities during this time. And it's just very providential that this is when we had planned to launch and this is what we're launching into. So I'm grateful for that. My heart is also broken for loss and also for loss of rights. So it's just an interesting swirl of things and we're right there with everyone together going through this. So as a gun shop, how would I connect with you? So basically just reach out to us, info at holdmyguns.org. And we have a packet that we send out to interested gun shops that provide a, there's a, a agreement between us and gun shops. It's a storage partner agreement. We have a waiver that goes between us at Hold My Guns and the customer. And then there's a um, template for a contract between the gun shop and their customers. And so the next step in that is that it would go through um, a review process on your part. You would meet with your attorney and they would go over and make sure that you're compliant with all state and local laws. And you would give us, you know, this is, this is how we plan on operating in our gun shop. And this is how it works with what you guys are doing. Here's our price points and things like that we'll be offering. So there's a little bit of a review process, but it's 
it shouldn't take very long at all. And then we would be able to give you a stamp of approval and put your shop up on the website and say, find a location near me. And then people yes. would know to, to come. Right. So you. people would come to you uh, on your mm -hmm. website and you would say, well, here's some local shops in your area. That yes. Can you with this. And they can do it without saying who they are. Yes. Without saying who they are. So it's really private. And it's they come to the shop, they don't have to say why. I just want to yes. store my guns. That's all. Yes. Awesome. And, and other avenues as well. You know, as we start to work with communities and look for community service projects, you know, then it creates a scenario where, you know, might have a first responder saying, hey, you know, they, we just had someone help um, do the landscaping in front of the, the firehouse this week. And uh, they, this gun shop offers hold my guns. And, you know, as they are on the scene, police officers on the scene, they might say, you know what? Um, there's a really great gun shop that offers storage and we want you guys to consider it because it seems like the call that we're on today if there's any firearms in the home um, you, you just might want to be aware that there are off-site storage options while well, you guys work things out so we don't have to get a, a call for something that, that's more tragic so again working with communities and also leading the way to show liberty is beautiful self-governance is beautiful and we don't need gun control laws in order to help right. people right. Yeah, every time we can head off legislative mm -hmm. um, ideas, I think there's a bill right now that it's, you know, it's called something all feel good, like, you know, suicide prevention bill or something like that. Um, and at first blush, it looks like, oh, well, this seems okay. But we don't need any kind of legislation because our community is already on top of this. We have already gotten in front of it between uh, your organization and Walk the Talk America and the NSSF is involved in uh, suicide prevention. We've got all kinds of people working together uh, synergistically mm -hmm. in this space. We don't need more government interference in our lives for this uh, situation, uh, most especially. So, Miss Sarah, thank you so much for um, all that you do and, and putting this together. And, you know, by the way, you're a mom of five, did you five. say? <laughs> yes. Five that teenagers. Made me tired. That just made me tired. <laughs> I'm like, if, if anybody did get that book on the how-to book on how to raise it, it was probably Sarah, but our, our book never arrived. Do you so. know how many grandbabies you're going to have now? With that, five. Hopefully, oh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you will. You will. Yeah, we oh, love awesome. we love family and and you know kids don't come with a user manual, but I think that's a good thing because we're individuals and every single one of my teenagers they all have different personalities and it's just a beautiful thing how um, we have the opportunity to be sanctified by you know parenting our children and learning new things about ourselves and about people and. And again, that's one of those other things that have really prepared me for Hold My Guns is respect for people and personalities and the way that they do things. And it's just a, a wonderful um, blessing and opportunity to, to be raising five teenagers. It's different than raising five kids, you know, ages. We were at a point where it was, uh, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, all the way down to a newborn. So we're in a new yeah. phase of life, but I'm really excited about those challenges. And I'm excited that they, you know, kind of helped me to think about hold my guns even in their loss that they, we could have an honest conversation about that and um dan i appreciated what you said earlier um and cheryl you and i have talked about this as well we really need to to listen to those kinds of conversations and we need to be willing to hear the hurt in people's hearts and not just simply say um you know well 
we have to have our second amendment rights because again there's no dichotomy there that's really important but if we're not listening to the people who who have been hurt and coming up with solutions like hold my guns and and others um we're not really being good humans to one another and uh and i think i think we can we can work those things out but i love how being a mom has helped me to have a tender heart for those things and also to teach my kids about rights for sure. That's awesome. All right. Well, one more time, if you would please tell folks uh, how they can reach out to you, how they can learn more about Hold My Guns, how maybe they can get involved themselves very personally in that um, from whatever angle, uh, mm-hmm. just let folks know how they can uh, get connected. Thank you. Um, the easiest place to find us is holdmyguns.org online. Um, we are going through some website updates, so I'm really excited to be um, giving you guys that soon. Um, so we have that. And then on Facebook, we're holdmyguns.org, as well as on Instagram and Twitter, holdmyguns.org. So you can find us on there. Um, feel free to email me anytime at info at holdmyguns.org, and I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. Sarah Joy Albrecht of Hold My Guns Organization. Keep up the good work, Sarah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Cheryl and Dan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Five. Yeah. Five teenagers. How do you do that? Five teenagers. How do you do that? Oh my gosh. I don't know. We had, have one child. Now she ran in packs. So we had a lot of times more than five teenagers. Well, you really had two because you had me. And, well, I wasn't going to say it out loud. I know, there, I know. I'm <laughs> confessing today. It's a good day to confess. But, you know, so we would have a house full of teenagers all the time, but they were not mine, right? That's a whole different thing when they're yours. And then you add the Rona on top of it. Stop that. <laughs> say the Rona again, I'm going to leave. You can't say Rona. Okay, quarantine life. Hashtag quarantine okay, life. You can say quarantine you life. add that in and oh my yeah. stars. I, I cannot imagine the family dynamics. Um, but I do love how Sarah said that, you know, really understanding in a way that she probably wouldn't have before, how individual, same parents, right? Same household, individual kids have different personalities, right. different ones, different needs. And they change. The personalities change. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but that helped her, you know, living with all those, you know, little individuals um, helped her understand more about, you know, just human beings in general and how it could uh, help her create a better uh, program with the Hold My Guns. But um, Hey, I'm, awesome work. Yes, awesome work. Thank you, Sarah, again for being here with us today. I'm probably going to have more questions for you. Maybe we can have her on again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not happy right now. Have you noticed? Are you sad? Dan? I'm not. I'm not sad. Are I'm, you? I am angry. Irritated. I am are angry. You angry. Yes. Are you frustrated? It's kind of like a rant, but I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. But wait, we haven't had a Dan's. It's calm. This is not calm in a long this, time. This isn't calm either. This is what's happening to Canada. Oh my goodness. Canada I knew, already I had, knew that's where you were going. Canada already had some very restrictive gun laws. Yes. They went out of control. I guess that's the difference between 
a um, a, a place to have a rule a king rules because he wasn't the king but he was the main guy in canada yep. they don't call him a king trudeau trudeau true to that he uh made a ruling just a ruling that no more what they call i don't know what this really means but assault weapons first of all i don't have any assault weapons mm -mm. i don't have any weapons mm -mm. i have firearms mm -hmm. they're not weapons I'm not using them to cause havoc. Right. I own the guns. I treat them respectfully, and they're firearms. There are no weapons in my house. Right. And but assault anyway, is a assault, behavior. Right. Is a not behavior. Not a tool. Not a tool. And they have, from what I understand, complete ban of these guns. Okay. And here's why. This is the thing that really gets me. A man who killed twenty something people got these what they call assault weapons illegally right he got them illegally in the first place right so why how does making a new law a ruling when they're not laws or rules hmm. how does that how is that acceptable when the guy that did it broke the rules to get the guns how's that going to help well it's not you know, and we have plenty of world history to show us that. But how many honest people aren't going to be able to have a firearm now right. because of somebody who broke a law? Right. It's 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 irritating to me. It's like, well, they don't have. They're in like Canada. another country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in uh, Canada, they don't have the Second Amendment, no. which of course is in our constitution, in our bill of rights that too few of us read. Look how, look how thick that is. But their border touches the, the border touches. You would think that some of that would bleed on. I did. I can't speak for that because we have, you know, Arizona, we have, thank God for the AZCDL. I give them right. full credit, Arizona citizens defense league that has helped really protect our constitutional rights. And then on the other side of this imaginary line that, that humans created that, you know, on, on this side, it's Arizona and you have all these rights and freedoms. And then on that side, it's California and the people that govern there, the people that vote there, they have decided they've got a whole other set of rules. So if it's not bleeding over, actually what happens, and this is the thing that makes me so like, uh, like aghast, I like dumbfounded, is that the the restrictions are what bleed over, right. and people just start going. Well, I guess I didn't really need that freedom anyway. So, you know, well, they're doing instead it little of at it time. being freedom, you would think that freedom would be the sweetest right. candy out there, but, but somehow people just really, really want a mommy and a daddy, you know, in the form of government to tell them what they can and can't do. And it, it boggles my mind. Because, Are you ready again, for a four-hour show? I know, right? Because teenagers, we're just talking about Sarah, our guest today, with five teenagers. I guarantee you they are just busting at the seams to get out and, and you know be an adult and make their own rules for their life. And then so many of these kids do 
get to be young adults go out and then they immediately start looking for another mommy and a daddy in the form of a government to tell them what to do. What? That was not how I was built. I know it's not how you were built. I guess you can look at California like, okay, California's kindergarten mm -hmm. and Arizona are adults <laughs> because they're treated like yeah. kindergarten kids. They're treated like they want it. Why do right, they want it? They don't. But you know what? The ones that scream the loudest are the ones that are influencing what's going on in that country. There are a county, state, I call it country, California with a K. <laughs> But they, they, uh, they let the people that scream the loudest win. Well, and I think here's the real trick of it, that they're not necessarily thinking about they want a mommy and a daddy to control them. Want them to control, yes. They want a mommy and a daddy to control those people over there, right? right? Whoever those people are, they don't like that they do X or they, they own Y or, you know, whatever. And so in the process right and the politicians love it and so they're like yeah yeah oh, those yeah. yucky Let me people be the over daddy. there yeah i'll go take care of them for you wink but really what happens is votes or i mean uh, laws get voted in with those people in mind but then all of a sudden you realize oh crud it affected me too right because <laughs> unless I you're do? a politician yourself yeah. Yeah. So. But you know, it's, it's funny cause like we are free Arizona, we are a pretty well free state and whether I take a gun when I go to California or not, which I don't take a gun to California, I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. There'd be no reason to do that because, <laughs> because it's safe uh, over there. But anyway, so safe. when yeah. you cross the state line, there is something inside you that eats at you until you cry. You know, you want to go to California, you want to go to the beach, you want to go to Disneyland, you want to have a good time. And we do a lot. And we do a lot. Yes. But then, but there's something inside of you that hurts inside and you don't realize it until you're coming back. And as soon as you see that sign, welcome to Arizona, you realize freedom. There's a freedom that you lose when you cross into that. It's almost like going to another country, like going to Mexico. So you or don't now Canada um, and now Canada. Sorry, Canada. So, I mean, you already didn't have great uh, gun freedom up there, but yeah. now you really don't. So anyway, so that's kind of my rant, I guess, if you want to call it a rant, but it's just like, please people, let's don't make laws, any more laws that are not going to change things. Right. And how, tell me the only way, and it can't be done is to completely remove every firearm from this country, from the world. It, but still people can make them. And we have seen that in places where there are huge firearms restrictions, that murderers, they just find something else to use, right. a different tool, right? Pressure right. cookers. Hello? Yeah. And could right? you imagine? Knives, cars, moving vans. Could you imagine if, if every leader treated the way they do firearms with everything and say, okay, an assault gun, they called an assault weapon, was used in a crime, no more guns. A drunk driver drove a car, no more alcohol, no more cars. A guy's used a pocket knife to kill his next door neighbor, no more pocket knives. Guy used a hammer to kill his whatever. Oh, no more hammers. I mean, there is no end to it. When are we going to recognize the problem is the person that is using that tool, right. not the tool itself? Right. Well, the very first murder recorded in the Bible was with a stone, with a rock. Oh my God, could we outlaw rocks? How would we? Let's ask Trudeau, can we? 
Yeah. Hey, yeah. Trudeau, you got rocks in Canada? Better get rid of those. Or are they just in your head? Those are very bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, that, that, that just came that out. Was, that, that was good. Those of you that are only listening and can't see the video, we may or may not have just high-fived on that one. Yes. That was a good one, Dan. Okay. We have got to wrap this up. We have got to get out of here. Thank you so much to our amazing listeners. What we do in these conversations, the ideas that we explore, it's a, it, they're awesome. I love them. But when you take them around your dinner tables and into your carpools, eventually when we get to have those again and around the water cooler and, um, you know, out on the soccer uh, field when your kids are out playing soccer, when you take these conversations into your spheres of influence, that's when it really matters. And we value you so much. We appreciate you. Your time is your most finite commodity. And when you spend any of it with us, um, we, we value that more than we can say. Thank you to our amazing guest today, Sarah Joy Albrecht of Hold My Guns. Um, and until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders, representatives, are you, are elected you, officials. Are, are you pointing at me on that one? Are you telling me to pray for our leaders? Yeah, I am. Could I put some on one side and some on the other <laughs> side? Can I pray less for some and more for others? Well, I'm going to leave that up to you, but um, all of them, Dan. Right. Even the ones you don't like. Okay. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week, and God bless. Yes, open your minds and then open your hearts. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I like that. That's a good way to end. <laughs> Until next time.